y'all. Hey, well, well, Adam, where's Vanessa? Well, since me and her are doing a segment on Roll for the Galaxy rivalry, her agent says that she's not compensated for more airtime than that, so... All right, fine, go ahead. Well, today on the show, we're going to cover Crisis, Call to Adventure, the Istanbul Switch app, and Camel Up, as well as the aforementioned segment on Roll for the Galaxy. I specifically said no banana moon pies. Get my agent on the line. Hello, and welcome to Yet... Another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names, Board Game Podcast, Best Background Noise. The name of this episode is Control the Storm. My name is Marty. And this is Tony, and that was episode number 167. What did I say? You didn't. Really? Do you want to try again like we did in the last episode? No, I don't. In fact, before we move on, let's check out a couple of things, Tony. All right, Tony, my recorder is now currently going. Mine is too. Okay, I have a good signal. How about you? Good signal. My bar's going up and down, up and down. Whoa, up, down. I have 15 hours of memory space left for recording. How about you? I've got 22 hours, and I hope we don't need that tonight. So basically, we're going to do this in one take this time as opposed to three last time. We're going to give it a shot anyway. Who knows what else could happen? The internet could go out, or somebody could get interrupted. Somebody be called. I don't know. A bookcase could drop on them like it almost happened to me tonight. But that's okay. We are ready to go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop. A bookcase? Yeah. What do you mean a bookcase almost fell on you? Well, I was cleaning out the garage, and uh-huh. I, I told Donna, I said, it's about time that this 23-year-old garage bookcase gets out of here. So I'm going to invest in the Algot system, A-L-G-O-T, from Ikea. So this past Saturday, Don and I headed up to Ikea here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm sorry. Okay. A couple of things happened. First off, it was packed. So finding parking. Okay. Okay. Ikea on a Saturday Everybody just assumes it was packed, but go ahead. Well, I see, I'm used to it not being as packed, but, uh, but then again, so they changed the off-ramp going towards Ikea. Did you know that? I did not. I think there's actually, get this, everybody, I think the boulevard that goes to Ikea has been renamed to Ikea Boulevard. Is that right? That's right. And we used to, when you came off the ramp, and I'm sure in your city too, you have some of these where the off-ramp, because it's so popular, they would continue to go... Uh, on the right lane, and the through traffic would go on the left lane. Okay? So you just keep flowing, right? Yep. They changed it. They got rid of that and put up a light. Oh, that was news to me. <laughs> I didn't realize that because I'm fixing to go on flying down that road, and all of a sudden, Don's like, you need to stop. I'm like, huh? She goes, look, there's a light. Look, people aren't moving. I'm like, man, what is going on here? But anyway, so I cleaned out the garage and all of a sudden i put the bookcase out there had it for a guy to pick up it was free wait a minute wait a minute (laughs) you are jumping all over the place here so i'm expecting this really good ikea story but but that was it you went to ikea it was crowded and you they changed the roads yeah well i got the owl got oh no ikea also changed the shelves They used to have metal shelves, but I guess the steel industry is in such that steel is so expensive that they've now gone to press board shelves. They've degraded the quality. Did you get any meatballs? No, no. Did you get any cinnamon buns? Oh my gosh, that smell hit me and I 
Didn't get any. Dude, what a wasted Ikea trip. No, I got what I needed. I did not need cinnamon buns. I'm already got a cinnamon roll belly. I don't need more. Now, me, me thinking about the layout of Ikea, was the, was the thing that you needed at the very end? Well, I just jumped right straight to it. Is that allowed? Yeah, you can bypass all that. There's a way to do that. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought they like forced you to go through that maze of a place to get to what you really needed. No, you cut through the... Registry lines, you just go right through it. They, they don't care because then you go get the buggy in the back and you get your stuff and load it in the buggy. Okay. So, for those who aren't from the South, <laughs> a buggy, <laughs> I knew this was coming, is our term for a shopping cart. Okay. Yes. Uh, so, got that loaded up and got out of there. But anyway, so I'm outside. And the reason why I was late tonight to record is because I had the bookshelf that I'm getting rid of sitting in the driveway. And while I was out there, all of a sudden, I had it sitting there. I had it on moving dollies. And the guy who was coming to get it said he was on his way. Well, lo and behold, that was an hour later. But while I'm there, it was sitting on moving dollies. And there it was windy. And what happens when you have a big open wood piece and a big wind comes right up? It's like acts like a sail, right? Yeah. I would agree. Okay. And the wind comes, it's on dollies, and it's not as sturdy as it should be if it were sitting on the ground. Anyway, the wind comes and starts knocking it over, and I, like a fool, tried to go grab it to keep it from falling over. I said, screw this. I'm getting rid of it anyway. Boom. So before he showed up, I had to hammer it back together. <laughs> so you gave the guy a damaged shelf? It cost him nothing. It was free. Okay. It was a bookshelf. He can have it. I wanted it out. He's going to be upset when he starts putting stuff on it and just starts falling apart. But anyway, that's that's what happened to me tonight. That's why I was late recording. See, I have a reason for being late. The Gamma show just ended last week. Did you happen to see anything that was announced that you're interested in? You know, on our last episode in 166, we had Justin and Rob on from Restoration Games, and they revealed their entire whole lineup. But the big thing was unmatched, and it seemed to be get some uh, a lot of buzz last week. Well, to answer your question, no, I really didn't pay attention to the Gamma news. That's what you're for. I expected you to come on this show and say, hey, did you see this? Well, let me tell you about it. Let's see. Well, there was one announcement I'm kind of giddy about, but you won't care. Oh, let me guess. Uh, let's see. Uh, some video game. No, not, not from Gamma. Some Funko thing? Nope. Okay. I know it's the Gamers Association. Anyway, what what is it you're giddy about? War Cry from Games Workshop. Oh, War Cry. <laughs> so I, knew, I knew that would light you up because uh, War Cry is what for us in our board gaming history? It is like the fourth card game we tried that we really enjoyed. We loved the formations. We loved most of the art on those cards. It was one of those games where we were like, man, this is really good. Oh, look, it got discontinued. Remember who made it? Uh, War Cry was by Sabretooth, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Sabretooth Games. That's that's right. Yeah, that was uh, one of our... Actually, Tony, probably one of the first times we ever did anything in the Games Workshop universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was still new to us. And remember, there was a... Uh, a game store inside our local mall and they had people playing uh, Warhammer fantasy there. And that was one of the first times I ever saw the, uh, the Warhammer uh, fantasy miniatures there. And get this. I ran across this the other day cause we're cleaning out the storage area. I have a war cry t-shirt. Where in the world did you get a war cry t-shirt? I, I don't know. I must've signed up for something or something like that and got a war cry t-shirt. I thought that was pretty cool. From, from gamma. What caught my eye was some tweet from Rodney Smith, check still in the mail, Rodney, about he they lost his luggage? He had to take Chaz shopping at the local Plaids R Us? 
That's what caught my eye. You mean just Walmart? Yeah. Yeah. Let somebody get, can I go back to Warcry? Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. Just, just just real quick. So one thing I'm excited about, I love Games Workshop games when they come out the little skirmish type game, games that are short. That's why I like Warhammer Underworld. So the tease with Warcry is that it's a skirmish type game, much like Kill Team is for 40k, but it's made by the same people uh, who designed Kill Team and Underworlds, and that's really all we know about it. But I was excited about it because I, again, if I'm going to play a miniatures game, it's going to be one of those things that. It's probably going to take very little table space and very little time to play. Like I actually haven't got a chance to play Underworlds in a while, but this is another one of those games that uh, is short and hopefully I can, I can get to the table. So anyway, that's the one thing that caught my eye. Now go back and talk about uh, Unmatched. So they released a lot of the card art uh, for that game. We talked about it when they were on the show about how amazing the card art was. Well, when I shared our episode on Twitter, a gentleman by the name of Oliver Barrett said, hey, thanks for the kind words. I'm glad you like the art. I'm the artist for the game. I thought, oh, cool. Cool. I'm talking with the actual artist on Twitter. This is really neat. So he works at Mondo, which is the company that they're going to be getting a lot of the IPs from. Mm-hmm. Uh, the artist has an artist page. So I went and checked it out and come to find out he does all this really cool art for Mondo's other products. Like they have a line of uh, vinyl records that are video game soundtracks. Oh, really? And he did one uh, album art for a game from Castlevania. I think it was Rondo for Blood. Anyway, it's one of the Castlevania games. And it just so happened that three days before that, we were at a vintage video game store uh, near us, and my son Adam found that album and bought it. So son of a gun, if the album he bought wasn't drawn by the same artist who did the art for uh, Unmatched. It was just really cool. Kind of all tied all tied together. Wow. The universe is a strange place, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to let all that just soak over me. While it's soaking, since we're talking about Warhammer, since I'm just really enthralled this universe, I got to play a um, a beta of a new game that's coming out called Chaos Bane. It's based in the Warhammer universe. It's a PC game, and they had open beta a couple of weeks ago. And basically, if you like Diablo-style games, hack-and-slash games, and you like the Warhammer universe... Put those two together, and that's what you got with Chaos Bane. It is a really, really cool hack and slash game where you pick one of four different classes that you're playing. I picked like a a mage type guy, like a a bright wizard type guy, and you get to go on all these quests. Again, it looks just like it plays just like Diablo. You you get random items. You've got your your skill slots that you can activate as you get XP. You've got to manage your items because you only got so many places to carry them. You got a nice radio menu to control it like Diablo. I very much enjoyed it. So if you like Diablo style games, and I highly recommend uh, checking, I say that way too much. I found out I say highly recommend way too much. I think people, if they're interested in a Diablo style Warhammer game, should go look at Chaos Bane. And again, it's in beta, but it's going to be coming out soon. I'm going to play, get a lot of hours in that game. And what system is that on? Uh, It's on the PC. It's on the PC. I know it's not on the Switch yet. Yeah, yeah, it's not on the Switch yet. Yeah. But uh if it was, if it was, you could play now. Yeah. Uh huh. So you told me to go buy a Switch. You said, Go buy a Switch. You won't regret it. There's no way you can regret it. And everybody's sitting there saying that as well. That's on the Twitter and Instagram and whatever. Our Slack channel. Our Slack channel. You're going to love it. And I'm like, okay, fine. And here you are announcing, here's this incredible game that plays like Diablo, one of my favorite games of all time. And it's 
not on the Switch. But I can go buy Diablo for the Switch. <laughs> Which I highly recommend. See, I say it too much. Uh, yeah, if you hadn't got Diablo f- for the Switch and you like Diablo, you that was the first game I got. You are going to love it. And then you and I can sit there and play together. Can, can cool. we? Because I, then, because first off, I tweet out. I'm finally using Twitter occasionally. It's up there with Instagram once in a week. So I tweet out my Target bag. Did You knew what was in that bag, didn't you? Oh, I did. I, I thought you did, but but you weren't wrong. You're right. I almost turned around right there in the parking lot <laughs> and walked right back with my paralysis of buying anything, my buyer's remorse. Buyer's remorse. Yep. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to take this thing back. Why do I have this? I don't need this. How many days did you have it before you actually opened the box? Three. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that w- none of that was staged. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Man, if I, it's like if I'd gotten a switch, I'm like, as soon as I get home, I'm ripping open and I'm playing, and it sits there for three days before you even take it out of the box. Well, the first day my mother-in-law was in town, so that would have been rude. Okay. Okay. And then the second day, I forget what kept me from doing it. The third day, I finally took it out and began the setup process of the thing. And I'm still thinking it's not too late. And then Nintendo goes, oh, by the way, Mario 10 Day is around the corner. Buy a Switch and get a game for this amount off. I'm like, son of a gun. So I just bought Mario Kart and I got the Mario, uh, the Switch with the $35 e-coupon, the last one in the store, by the way. Nice. Good job. Thank you. And I'm like, this stinks. So, of course, I'm upset about that because I could have saved even more money. But you know what Target did? What did Target do? Since I had not opened the game, they were willing to have me give it back to them, and they resold it to me for the price. Oh, for the, for the sale price. For the sale price. That's right. So I got... Mario Kart at the sale price. You got a really good deal because you yeah. still got a $35 eShop credit, right? I got the $35 eShop, plus I got $30 off of the um, Mario Kart. Now, you can't beat that. That $35 will go towards uh, Diablo. Well, now I got to buy a 128 gig micro SD card, according to you. Yes, you do. Because <laughs> you're like, 32 gig? Ah, that's more than enough. I went, nope. You download, like you said, you tried a uh, Warframe. You saw that was like 13 or 14 gigs, right? No, I did not. I didn't take a look. It took forever. Yeah. So that's the bad thing about the Switch is you, you got to buy an external SD card pretty quick. Yeah. I'll probably end up deleting Warframe too. It was free. So it's not like it's hurting me. Oh, all right. So anyway, good. So that's exciting because there's a lot of board games coming out on the Switch. I know that um, Istanbul is mm-hmm. coming really soon to the Switch, so I can't wait uh, to try that. You played Istanbul, right? Yes, and the dice game, which we enjoyed. We did, so it would be cool to check it out on the um, on the Switch. That's right. Now, so we had Mario 10, so we're in March. So, of course, we've got March Madness right around the corner. Yes, we do. In fact, when this episode is released, we'll already into March Madness. All right, which our team, of course, did not make it in North Carolina State. They went. To I don't want to go into it because going into it, everybody said, oh, yeah, uh, North, North Carolina State's no longer in the bubble. They're in. Nope, nope. We're playing in the NIT and not even as a one seed, but I'm not bitter. Okay, I am bitter. I'm not. I think it's good for them. I think it brings out 
that should show them and teach them how to be a better team next year. So I think that's an important thing. But, but so I was watching a lot of basketball. Mm-hmm. When did basketball flopping become a thing? Oh my gosh, dude. Isn't it horrible? It's like soccer now. Oh, I wasn't going to go there, but you went there so you can get the hate mail. It is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. For any soccer or football fan out there outside the U.S., Flopping is a thing. You can't deny it. No. I watch videos, Tony, on YouTube of like the best flops in soccer. Oh my gosh, they are so funny. The One of the best ones I've ever seen where two guys are like going towards each other. Neither of them touch each other and they both flop on the ground. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. But yes, you're right. Somehow basketball has the exact same issue. And you probably grew up playing organized basketball like I did. They teach that crap no they didn't matter of fact if you're gonna hit the ground you're gonna hit the ground for a reason is how i I was the enforcer growing up (laughs) i'm sure you were (laughs) Uh, and i was the guy if you came at the basket you're gonna pay for it you may make it but you're gonna pay for it but i was gonna go for the ball it wasn't any of this flake well okay i would have been flagranted a lot growing up but that's okay well that's a new rule too so yeah but i'm i was watching that and i'm like really He's getting a foul call for that. Oh my, these are touch fouls. If that was on the playground, that stuff wouldn't go. There'd be a fight. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and some of them are not even real fouls. I mean, oh, no, I, I, I agree. It's like you get touched on the hand or something. All of a sudden they're on their back and the ref's going to call it. Well, that's why they do it, right? Mm-hmm. Because the ref's going to call it every single time. If somebody's on their back, oh, something must have happened. I mean, I think back at when we were at State and the, Chris Corsiani was the point guard. He would stop in the middle of the court and the centers would run him over. I mean, he would literally get run <laughs> over. He would be an expert at this flopping. And this. He would, he would lead the league in getting fouls called for him. Cause you know, he'd be like, Oh, this is a thing. They teach that stuff now. It's fun. I don't, you don't see it as much in the, uh, the NBA, but yeah. Yeah. College basketball is crazy. Mm, I was just like, that's unreal. All right. Enough of the sports ball talk. We got to play a little Kickstarter that Nate Bivens, who by the way, was designer, uh, co-designer behind, uh, silver river who, mm-hmm. who uh, Marty, um, it's doing pretty good on Kickstarter right now. I'm, I'm, uh, yes, it is. It's like, it was as of today, it's like number two on the hotness. So congratulations to Nate. That's awesome. But he brought a little game to the um, game store the other day called Village Pillage. Mm-hmm. What kind of mechanic would you call that where you are? I mean, the whole design behind the game is that you're trying to collect. I call them beats. Some people were calling them turnips. They looked, they were purple. So they're beats to me. Well, you, you got to collect turnips. Then you'd sell them and get relics. Okay, it's pasted on theme, plain and simple. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I don't know how beats turn into relics, but yes, that's what you had to do. And there was a different cost. Like the first one cost like eight, the next one was nine, next one was 10. They kept going up in, in value. And everybody had the exact same hand of cards to start out with. And it's one of these mechanics where I, I like where you play a card to your left and a card to your right. And it affects that person on the left and right. And likewise, they're playing one uh, back at you. But you have different uh, uh, effects. Like there's one that's an attack where you steal things. There's like a defend card where if you play it at the right time, you keep them from stealing anything. Uh, but there was like a merchant card or something where it allows you to buy a card, an additional card from the middle. It's like a little slight deck building game mm-hmm. or buy one of the relics. And the last one was, oh, it was just like a farmer. It's just like, get some beets. It's time to grow some beets. That's right. 
And so based on, and I mean, it's real simple. It's colors and symbols that you can help. So if my farmer is going up against your raider, you're probably going to be successful. The attacker, you're going to be successful. Where if your raider is going up against my wall or my moat, then obviously I'm going to uh, reap the benefits from that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed playing that, and Nate, I gave Nate a hard time because I mentioned to him, I said, you know, this is just dumb luck, just whatever cards you play. Don't say that to a designer. No, because you said, like, rock, paper, scissors. I'm like, eh, it's not rock, paper, scissors. Maybe rock, paper, scissors, Spock, whatever the whole thing is. From, Lizard. <laughs> yeah, from Big Bang Theory. I mean, I enjoyed playing it. I, I like that concept. But one of the things I, I was, when talking with Nate about it is that merchant, the only way to stop the merchant, because whenever he's played, he's going to succeed at what he needs to do. But you better steal. Yeah. So you better have to steal his beats or he's going to you know, manage it. So I got real lucky. I just happened to score a ton of beats. So he and Mark could not take me out. And that, that was fine. And I, I enjoyed that. I mean, it was a cute, fast filler game i enjoy playing that i did too and we didn't mention that after you play the card they're not gone they every card goes back to your hand Mm -hmm. and even after you buy a card it just increases the number of cards you have in your hand to consider you know to play and the stuff in the middle that you buy from the from the market is just more powerful versions of the starter cards that you got right and and he and he's like well we can negotiate we good yeah i'm good yeah we good yeah (laughs) we yeah right negotiation well, Nate and I were nice to each other. We negotiated. You good? I'm good. And we because uh, he and Nate brought it up right. It's like almost like a prisoner's dilemma. Well, yeah. What, that, what does that mean? You don't know the whole thing with the prisoner's dilemma where two people are given a choice to where there's if you choose this particular choice, it's really good for you if they pick a different choice. But if you both pick the same choice, you get each get a little bit of a benefit. But if you both try to screw each other out, you're both hurt. I've never heard of it. I'm, I know what Schrodinger's cat, you mentioned Big Bang Theory, but not that. So, so the prisoner's dilemma is like, you know, you got two who, uh, suspects for something. And it's like, are you going to rat me out? Mm. All right, Tony, you're in the witness room and that other person's in the witness room. And it's like, Tony's got something. You, you're going to rat him out. And I know... If I say, yes, I'm going to rat him out, and you say, yes, you're going to rat me out, we both rat each other out. Mm -hmm. But what happens if we both say, nope, we're keeping my mouth shut? So both of us keep our mouth shut, which might not be good in the long run, but at least we didn't rat each other out. Or it's going to be like, you know, I'm going to rat you out, Tony. And then you're going to go, well, I'm just not going to say anything. Then you're the one that gets taken out and I'm set free. That's the prisoner's dilemma. Well, thank you for... See, I learned something from our podcast tonight. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so yeah, you're right. We, we're in the prisoner's dilemma thing. I'm just playing cards, but you're, you're right, because I was sitting there and I was able to play two cards on them, which scored me a ton of beats because I had been playing nice the whole night and I switched it up. That was fun. I, I enjoyed that. That was a good way to end the night after we played some other games, some, you know, a little bit heavier games, but all in all, that was a fun game. Yeah. Well, well speaking of those games, you want to go uh, talking about it for a few minutes, maybe like, oh, I don't know, five. If you're looking for great organizers, you need to go check out Broken Token over at thebrokentoken.com as each and every week they're putting out brand new things and one of the latest things they put out is an organizer they call the Magical Mouse. Tony, do you have any clue 
what this might be an organizer for. I do. That's for Mice and Mystics, which I have sitting on my shelf that you've yet to play with me. Is it good? Once again, it's one of those games that's on the <laughs> shelf of shame that I, I tried to play it. I had it, got it so long ago that it was before everybody else was jumping on the board gaming wagon at the house. And I said, I've got to get this game. But now with that beautiful organizer, it will make it that much easier to actually possibly get it out. I pull out that organizer. I pull out that board. Pull, and oh, there's the organizer. Mice and Mystics organizer. And they actually have an organizer for the expansion where it all fits together in one box because those guys over at the Broken Token know how to do some mechanical engineering to get everything to fit well into the same box. So if you're interested in the Magical Mouse organizer or any other organizer from the Broken Token, go check out their site at thebrokentoken.com. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. So we got a game in from Ludi Creations called Crisis. Now this game came out in 2016 and it is designed by, and I'm going to apologize up front because Lord, I'm going to try to get close. I'm going to do my best, and I, I am sorry. Pantelis Babalis and Sartorius Centilis. In this game, you're trying to get the most victory points, aren't you, Marty? <laughs> uh, yeah, you are. Um, yeah, this game is actually it was on Kickstarter. And uh, it came out just recently coming out to to retail, even though it's been been designed for a while. It's been it's been kind of moved around to different places. And Tony, I first got to play this game last year at Origins. Uh, Rodney Smith from Watch It Played taught it, and I absolutely loved it because number one, it's a worker placement game. Yes, it is. It is an engine building game. Oh yeah. Put those two together, and it's something I'm going to be interested in. Which is why when we got a copy, I couldn't wait to show you because I thought you might be interested in it too. One of the neatest mechanics at all, Marty, is that you have this series of time where you have to keep the economy growing in Axios, I believe, is it? Axia? Axia. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Axia. And you've got, and if you don't meet those goals, if all the players don't meet those goals, that's a bad thing. Game in. It's like on the victory point tracker. It says by the end of this round, this game is played over the course of uh, uh, several rounds. And at the end of the round, you need to be above that mark on the victory point. And if you don't, what you do is you sum those above, sum those below, and there's an economy tracker that will move up or down based on how you, well you do. And if if people don't meet those goals, those victory point goals at the end of each round, the economy starts tanking. And if Tony, if the economy tanks, the game just immediately stops. So you might not even totally finish the game. Right. And that's very important. So that's part of your engine building. you got to make sure you're moving those victory points up. And you got to work together. It's not like your common worker placement where you are out to get one another, you actually do need to work together to try to keep everybody in line. That is an interesting way to catch uh, or, or keep a leader mechanic or a catch up with the leader type mechanic. Really mm -hmm. enjoyed this. And from the worker placement, I mean, you're building factories, taking resources, gathering those up, and then converting them out into 
whatever you need. You need more victory points or electricity or iron or whatever, but then you can also buy and sell. Now, one thing I really like about this and one thing I like about the game Champions of Midgard is unlike a lot of our worker placement games, when you place a worker in a lot of other games, you place the worker, you immediately take the action. Not so in this case. You got a certain number of workers and everybody's going to take turn placing all those workers on the board. And then you're going to resolve all those workers in the same pattern each time. You're going to start at the top of the board and work your way down through each different action. So at the early on in the game, the action could be just to get some money so that you can hire workers so that you can buy a building card so that you can then buy resources to run those buildings and assign those workers to then run those buildings, which generates an output, which might produce goods that at the very end of the worker placement phase, you can sell those good for victory points. It, I just love that sort of system where you've got to be careful when placing your workers because you got to think, all right, if I place a worker here, then that's going to give me enough money that I can use that money to buy this building, which is good. And now that I have this building in place, do I have electricity to run it? No, I don't. So I need to make sure to have a worker there so I can buy electricity to apply it to this building because lots of times I end up screwing myself because it's like, oops, I didn't have enough stuff to run that building. I think for me, I enjoy playing this game. The end with the tanking of the economy was very different. I wasn't prepared for that. So I think, you know, the more plays I get in with this game, the more I'm going to understand that you've got to look at those victory points and certain types of building are a necessity and you better work together or you're going to be in trouble. Now, the, the probably the biggest negative, I think, Marty, for me was uh, at, at first it was the trying to get the economy, your own economy up. I kept worrying about that and I overstressed that. And I think that's what hurt me at the beginning. That to me just, I, I felt sometimes that there was too much stress in that. But for me, I enjoyed the game. And for me, probably the biggest negative was, and this happened in a couple of different games I played, people who knew how, how what they were doing and how they were playing. Like when I taught you guys, I'd played the game lots of times before and I kind of knew what was going to be going on. What happens is if the economy tanks, and the game ends, whoever is above that victory point marker for, uh, that's, that's moving each round, they're the only ones that can possibly win the game. So I didn't care if I helped you guys or not because I was the only one above it. So I knew, ah, I don't care. I let the economy tank and I win, which kind of stinks uh, because that's one of those cases where everybody didn't work together and then I benefited from, from not working together. But I think it's one of those things that the more you play, the less chance that's going to happen. This game has multiple difficulties. If you don't want the economy to tank that easily, you can play on the easier version or all the way up to hard. I, like I said, this is one of those games that has worker placement, a lot of things I like in it. I love the resolving each worker at a time. If you haven't had a chance to check out Crisis, you can always go check out Rodney's uh, How to Play video so you can see how it works. And it should be out now in stores. Crisis from Moody Creations. Five minute initiative is complete. So for the, not the first time, but maybe the fifth time or seventh time, we're going to talk about an app here on Rolling Dice and Taking Names in a new segment called It's Virtual. Okay, Marty, you didn't like that one, did you? No, I didn't. You got any more? Well, absolutely. It's going to be called Absolutely Nutty. App. Oh, you mean like apps? Absolutely. Yeah. Got any more? No, we're going to keep trying. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to come up with a name. It's a work in progress. Yeah, I mean, we got in a nutshell. I got to come up with something. I mean, we just can't say, yeah, we're going to talk about an app. But that's exactly what we're going to do. I know, but it needs to, people need to know that we're fixing to go into it. And then you put this cute bumper music in it. And then we're ready to go. But the app we're going to talk about is out on all the platforms, if I'm not mistaken. That would be um, Android, iOS, and Steam. Yes. And? And coming out the version that we play, because Tony just got a Switch, as we mentioned earlier, Istanbul, the digital edition, and the version we're going to be covering, Tony, is the one on the Switch, which will be released on March 28th. Right, and that is by, what is the company that is producing this? So if people can do this quick lookup thingy. This is by Acrum Digital, A-C-R-A-M, and they were kind enough to send each of us a code so we can try it out early. I've been playing solo games. You and I finished uh, some online games, mm-hmm. and we just want to share people you know, how well the does this work on the Switch? Because Switch is only like two years old and you're starting to see digital games come out on this console. I mean, earlier uh, at the end of last year, Asmodee Digital announced they're converting some of their apps over here. There's a lot of people with these devices and now people are like, all right, we can make some money off these things if we just port, port our games over to them. Yeah, I mean, I was on Twitter, my weekly Twitter review. You know, it's uh, hey, at least Instagram's more than that. And I noticed that even 425 Suzanne, she had a picture of Istanbul on her Switch while watching Spider-Verse. And I'm like, well, that's pretty sweet. And you're absolutely right. Thank you for making me purchase a Switch. I, I've been enjoying it, even though I only got you know two games so far now here's the thing tony i haven't played istanbul on the other versions have you played it on steam or on the phone or anything or ipad uh no i haven't i haven't um, bought it for that because uh, to be honest with you i've spent a lot of time just with uh, ascension and potion explosion so i was very happy to try it out on the switch no i haven't matter of fact it has been a long time since i actually physically played istanbul the board game the last istanbul we played was the dice game so i was like oh this is gonna hurt (laughs) well that's like actually a good place to start because I'm in the same boat as you. I had not played um, Istanbul, geez, two years, maybe three, three years. It's been a while since I've, since I've played it. And like you, yeah, last one I played was Istanbul, the dice game. Well, the first thing when you start this game up is there's a tutorial. Well, you have the option to play through the tutorial. It's like, oh, I definitely need the tutorial. And as you walk through the tutorial, it kind of gives you a heads up. It's like there's 22 uh, steps to walk you through the tutorial. And I thought, well, that's kind of short. I, I hate to jump into like a little nitpick right out the beginning, but Tony, personally, I think for a guy who's only played uh, Istanbul maybe once or twice and it's been years, I wish the tutorial would have had a little bit more meat to it. And I agree with you because I was like, okay, it's uh, it's not gelling with me. Okay, well, fine. The tutorial's done. I think I, under- I mean, it's, it's real simple. I mean, I move my little guy, place my little guy, and I try to get rubies. I was like, okay, I, I think it, but I'm missing something here. I, it didn't click with me. And then, so I then jumped into, this is, do you want to play a game? Shall we play a game? Exactly. And I was like, hmm, all right, this isn't, let's go over to Board Game Geek and watch a video on how to play the board game. <laughs> Dude, I did the same thing. So I jumped into a game and I realized kind of what was missing uh, from the tutorial is explaining really what each of the tiles do. And yes, in the game, you can actually go to a tile and click on the info of that tile and read what it does. And I just kept constantly doing that. It's like, you know what? There's only a set number of tiles in this game. There's only 16 tiles. Let me just go watch a quick review to teach me how to redo some of these tiles. After I did that, I came back in the game and then it just clicked for me. Literally, haha, <laughs> click or touchpad or what. Now, that is one thing I enjoy in the game. 
for, you know, on the phone, if, if it's on a small screen like that, you know, sometimes my big old sausage finger can't get to the right screen. But for, for the Switch, I really liked how I was able to zoom in and zoom out on the board. Now, and I really like how on some of the controls, if you try to hit a button, it shows you which buttons to press. Did you notice that? Like press A for this or B for that. It would highlight them. They, they weren't always there. I said, oh, that's pretty neat. So overall, the graphic uh, interface and the the GUI I thought was very well done. Uh, it was very bright. Um, I will admit now some of the fonts, um, the readers were out. I had to get the readers out. That's just because we're Whoa. at that point where we have to put them on. Uh, with with just regular old vision, once you put those on, everything looks uh, crisp and clear. The, some of the user interface I kind of had to get used to, especially when it came to when you draw drew cards and could see what the cards do and then discard cards. That took me a little while to figure out how to select the card I want to discard and then go down to the bottom and discard it. For some reason, that was just had a little mental block there. But one thing I like, Tony, and I, you probably noticed this too, when you had cards in your hand and on your turn, you could play a card anytime you want. Did you notice at the bottom it said, hey, if you use the right arrow, you use this card. Use this down arrow, you use this card. So it kind of gave you a heads up of what cards you had without actually pulling the cards up. No, I didn't. And that was the other thing. Okay, so I didn't notice that, which is probably why you beat me so bad constantly is because I <laughs> didn't know use my cards. But I did like how when it wasn't my turn, and I'll get to my biggest pro, is the fact that I can look at my bonus cards. So I'm while I'm waiting on my turn, I can look at the bonus cards to remind me. You know, it's not like mm -hmm. your turn's done. You don't get to do anything. I was able to scan the board, look at the cards. You know, I was able to plot some strategy. And I, yes. and I appreciate that. But my biggest pro, and for all apps for me, when I do online play, if you do not have asynchronous play, you're dead to me. Amen. Amen. I 100% agree. And when I actually, when I asked them, when they said they're going to send us a key, I, I asked, first question, asynchronous play? And they were like, oh, yeah asynchronous play. I was like, all right, we're in because uh, that's the way I play too, Tony. And when you set up the game, you have a choice of asynchronous or synchronous. And so I thought asynchronous, I sent you an invite to play. You jumped in. And uh, unfortunately with the phone, you could probably have it set up to send you a notification when it's your turn to move mm -hmm. with the switch. It's not that way. So lots of times we would text each other and go, by the way, it's your turn. All right. Asynchronous, thank you so much for putting that in there. Uh, when you set up the game, you mentioned that you didn't have a way to set a time, so I'm not sure when I would have timed out. If there was, like I know in Ascension, I can set 28 days, 14 days, 7 days, so many hours. But in on Istanbul, you said you didn't have that capability, right? No, we did not. Okay. So, you know, so I wonder when you're going to time out. I know you do time out because during the game, it says when someone times out, the AI will take over another brilliant thing to have in there. And nice thing too is Tony, with you, with a synchronous and asynchronous play, this is cross platform. If you have some of a friend that plays on steam or on the phone, you can play with them on the switch. Oh, nice. I did not realize that. That's kind yep. of nice. Now <laughs> this did happen and it happened to you and it happened to me. I finished my turn and I put it down. Marty, your turn. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. I'm done. I kept forgetting to hit turn done. <laughs> well, and, and, but what's cool about that, you can back up, you can undo your turn easily. Yeah, I know. I should have done that like at the start of the game. Yeah, because uh, lots of times I would actually pick the wrong thing or it's like, oh, I didn't mean to grab that. Uh, 
that resource so you you can undo it. So it it's it's not like it's locked in when you do something. You can't fix the oopsies. And then when you're done with your turn, hit like the right trigger to say, okay, uh, end of turn. Now this does have, if you just want to play by yourself, it has three levels of AI. When you play with other people, you can put AI in other positions. So you and I played a two-player game, but we easily could have put an AI player in and had different levels of uh, difficulty. There's a colorblind mode, uh, which is nice because this is a very colorful board, but you can switch that so that you can make sure you can easily see everything clearly. It's got pass and play, so you don't have to play online. Uh, we can just sit here on the couch and take one switch and pass it uh, back and forth. Tony, I think this was a good a good implementation of the game on the switch. And I know people are like, but why just what well, you got an iPad? Why play on the switch? My mind is weird in that. I'm not going to carry around an iPad all the time, but now my switch is my gaming console. So I'll carry it around and put it in my book bag and I want to pull it out. And I want to play a game. Well, I may want to play a board game on. I'm just wired differently, I guess. And for me, I mean, I think as I get into the switch, I will probably add games that maybe like Donna doesn't want to play because my iPad is the the application where she and I share. We're, we're you know playing Potion Explosion and some um, uh, Patchwork and things like that. It's whatever console works for you. But I agree with you. Carrying my iPad around versus having my Switch in my computer bag is so much easier. And so I'm with you. I'm probably going to start switching <laughs> over to the Switch. And go go with that. So also, other than the iPad, screen size is a big thing. On my phone, you know, it's yeah. it's not that that game would not work for me. And I was like, okay, let's keep moving up the iPad. It would definitely work. And then of course, but then I can't plug the iPad into the TV. I'm sure there's a way to do it, but I don't. And but the switch, I can easily get it onto the TV. So it makes it even if Don and I are just happen sitting there on the couch and we would want to do that. Because some no-name teams are playing in the NCAA right now, yep. Because um, my team made it to the NIT, that's fine. <laughs> I can I we can play it on the TV. That's one of the nice things about the Switch. And uh, one other thing about uh, this app, it does have you different. Uh uh, with the original game, you can set up the tiles different ways. They offer you that same option in here. You can do short pass, long pass, put the tiles in order, or do in random. So there's multiple setups for the game. So everything you can do in the board game, you can do in this one. Now, I think one of the big things, Tony, is going to be uh, the price. When you look at the cost of the apps on the phones, it's around $7 for Android and iOS. It's 10 bucks for Steam. But it is going to come out for $19.99 on the Switch. Now, I don't know why. I did not ask them why it was so much more expensive. And maybe it costs more to put a game on the Switch. I'm not sure. So that may sway you which way you want to go. But we're just looking at the Switch version, Tony. I, I will say I think they did a fantastic job for putting a board game on the Switch. It, it looks exactly like the board game. But there's enough to it where it's not like a carbon copy. Where they add enough of the, the graphical stuff where it still feels like a video game. But doesn't totally pull you out of the fact that it still is a board game. Yeah, and I mean the difference in price. I mean, I'm sure it's economics based on how many people do you think. Is it a loss to put it on the phone for $7? But think how many people have that phone. But remember that doesn't matter because it's cross-platform. I, I agree with you, but why would you reduce the cost? I mean, for me, versus having readers with me constantly, I'll definitely on my phone, I'd have to have it. You know, the cost of the eyeglasses. I can understand that. <laughs> yes, I enjoyed it. I can't wait to play you again. I will say, 
Do not start a game with two players to get with me again. That just wasn't as much fun as I thought it would be. I think we need more players. All right. Well, I actually have invited you to a game, so I'll cancel it and add in an AI person to play along with us. How does that sound? And I think that's a beautiful thing. All right. So that is Istanbul from developer Arkham Digital out March 27th, 1999 on the Switch. If you get it, let us know and you can come in and uh, play a game with Tony. And Tony, this was our inaugural episode of Lord. Are you actually going to say absolutely nutty? I was getting ready to say it, but you did. So thank you. Five minute initiative begins in. Three, two, one. Well, we have a special guest joining me for this five-minute initiative of Camel Up, designed by Stefan Bogan, produced by Eggert Spiel. Now, Camel Up, this is its second rendition, and we've played the first rendition, but joining me is my daughter, Rebecca. Hey. Hello. <laughs> and she has doing this because she has to pay for her dinner tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, overall, Camel Up, for those of you who've never played it, it's a very simple betting game. Person with the most coins wins or victory points. Would you agree? I agree. Okay. You got to be a little bit more interactive, but that's all right. (laughs) I can handle this. You asked if I agreed. I agreed. Okay. Very good. (laughs) So in Camel Up, you take a basic four actions. The first action is you may take a betting card. Your second action can be having the pyramid poop out a dice. Correct. Yep. You can shake it up and poop it out from the bottom. (laughs) Was that the funnest part of this game? Yeah. And stacking the camels. (laughs) Stacking the camels. That's right. And so what happens is when the dice comes out, the camels move based on the color of the dice. And if the uh, camel were to land on another one, then he moves along uh, later. If that camel on the bottom moves, he takes the whole group with him. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, you can take a betting card, um, place your bets on who you think is going to be the first winner. Obviously, it's the right, first winner. Right, on that leg of the race. Okay, yes, that's one part of it. <laughs> or you can place a card in the winner's track or the loser's track. Right, but you said take a betting card. That's true, I did. <laughs> so you can do either one of those. See what Marty's got to deal with when he's dealing with me? Yep, but I hear it all the time, even from being upstairs. <laughs> wow. Just wow. Okay, so anyway, and another thing that you can do is you can place your spectator card so when a camel lands on it, it goes forwards or possibly backward. They're either her cheering for the camel or they're booing the camel. Yes. <laughs> so overall, first thing I want to point out is this is the second edition. Component-wise, what did you think of that with the plastic pyramid? I really liked it, and I liked the pop-up. It was it was really interactive and kind of cute. The so. pop-up board. Do you open up the board? And boom, yeah, and it pops up. You got a little uh, oasis sitting there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Now, we played with eight, which is unusual, because that gave you a fifth action where you can share in the spoils of others, or as we called it, leeching. Yeah. Yeah, and you can just shake hands, declare diplomacy, and leech off of the other person. That's right. So at the end, when there are four legs in the race, well, actually, the game runs until one camel cross, crosses the finish line. And another change in the second edition is that there is a white and black camel that are running backwards. They're wrong way camels. And they will continue around counterclockwise where the rest of the camels are going clockwise. So it's very important. That's all part of the game strategy in this. Now, eight players... That was a lot of people. So you didn't get that opportunity to do certain things. And you, I mean, the camels, the leg could be over before you got another turn, right? Correct. You normally got between one and two turns. Most of the time, I only got one. And what did you think of that? Um, it was a little difficult, 
just because there were multiple actions that I wanted to take, but you also had to strategize a lot better and kind of figure out what other people are going to do. Now, do you remember, it's been a while since we played uh, this game. Do you remember the old version? And when we first played it, we were like, eh. Yeah, but that was a while ago. Right, but it didn't sit well with it. It was was fun, but it wasn't something that I would play a lot. Right. Now, what about this? Would you enjoy, if I were to say, hey, with four people, would you let me bring this out again? I would, yeah. It would be something I would play with my friends, too. It would be kind of like a fun little like thing that you could laugh at, but also it was a very strategy-oriented game. Oh, okay, because your mother doesn't think so. Yes, well, she didn't like it. No, she didn't, did she? No. Unfortunately for her in the eight-player game, she was constantly being the first player because that person would take... During the game, if they take the poop the dice out token, the last one, Mm -hmm. is to your right, then you're the first player. And in an eight-player, she only got to do one action, and it was not to her advantage to be the first player to go in an eight-player. Yeah. Because a lot of things were determined in the later round. Correct, correct. And she was the first player at least two to three times. Right. Out of like the four times we... So that was very, yeah, it was very disadvantaged to her mm-hmm. because she couldn't say, well, I want to share uh, spoils with that person because no one had done anything. She couldn't really take a betting token because it wasn't available to her. She didn't know who was going to win. I right. mean, I'll admit we were cheering at the end. Mm-hmm. We were cheering for the dice to come out of the pyramid. We were. We were. We were all very excited. So should Daddy keep this on the shelf? For right now, yeah. For right now until something better or until you get to play CO2 or some other game? Yeah, I mean... Cytosis, that's what I'm all about. <laughs> all right, well, that's it. That, that was Rebecca reporting with her daddy on another five-minute initiative. Five-minute initiative is complete. Are you ready for something new in your board gaming life? Yes. Are you tired of playing the same old thing? Uh, no. Well... If you had answered yes to this, is this like one of my flowcharts, Marty? Or you go yes, no kind of things for a board game? Anyway, go over to MiniatureMarket.com where they have all the newest and greatest games in their selection as well as they, of course, got the drop going on. Got to pay attention to that. You never do know when a game's going to be sold out. But one of the neatest things, Marty, I'm going to give you a hint when you're at the MiniatureMarket.com. In the search button, when you type a game, up comes the game, doesn't it? Amazing. Yes. Have you ever typed clearance? No. Try it. All the games that are on clearance will be in the search. Or, as they got going on right now, a big sale. Maybe it'll still be going. Big um, St. Patrick's Day sale. You type on space sale, and up comes all the games that are on sale. So you don't have to sit there and weed through all of that. You can just simply put that in the clearance. A lot of people probably already knew this. I did not. I was so happy when I did that. And lo and behold, there were all these games that I don't need to add to my collection, but I want to so bad. Be sure to check out miniaturemarket.com. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that Tony and I are really big fans of Euro games with dice in it. For example, we loved Coimbra from last year and Lorenzo El Magnifico from the year before that. But one of the original Euro games with dice that we really enjoyed was Roll for the Galaxy from Rio Grande. We reviewed this game way back in June 2015 episode 68 and that happened to be one where my wife Vanessa and Tony's wife Donna reviewed this game which is why we were excited to get the brand new expansion for Roll for the Galaxy called Rivalry and I just had to bring Vanessa back on the show (laughs) to talk about it because Vanessa 
You love dice games that I've learned learned over the years. I just love dice. I love rolling them. I love the different colors, and I just love dice. So I did. I fell in love with Roll for the Galaxy, and I love the little cup that looks like a spaceship, <laughs> and you shake it, shake it, shake it, and make a lot of noise and annoy other people. <laughs> well, we didn't want this to be just a two-player game, so we asked my son Adam to sit in with me, and Adam's been on the show before, so Adam's going to sit in with us and talk about uh, this expansion. So Adam, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me again. I think usually we have you on to talk about like RPGs and miniature games. Also dice games, though. Which dice games? Those are dice games. RPGs and miniatures games. Like <laughs> Fundamentally, they are dice games. I stand corrected. <laughs> See, Tony doesn't do this sort of stuff. He just rolls with the flow instead of coming back and correcting me. So I'm not... Well, we rolled for the galaxy. <laughs> with a couple of expansions. <laughs> So if you never played Roll for the Galaxy, it's kind of an engine building game where you're going to have different phases that take place each turn, but the phases are determined by dice that you roll. Everybody's going to have a set of dice they're going to roll with icons on them that represent one of five different phases. And you're going to secretly assign those dice to each of the phases based on whatever die face comes up. And then you're going to pick one of those phases to activate. Everybody gets to activate one. Then everybody shows which phases they're doing. The cool thing about it is if somebody else activated a phase that you had dice assigned to, you also get to do it. Now, there's a lot more to this game, but obviously you can go back and listen to episode 68 if you want the in-depth review that Vanessa and Donna did so well. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember, but I don't know if it was... In depth. <laughs> four years ago. Can you believe it's been four years since you did that thing? I cannot believe it. So let's talk about this expansion called Rivalry, because what Rivalry does is add... More dice. And one additional phase. And that phase is the deal phase. Or the research phase. So the original five phases were explore, which allow you to get new tiles that you can develop and get credits. One was... Develop. Oh, oh uh-huh. <laughs> Doing this without looking at the rules. Explore, <laughs> develop. It's a circle. Settle. Thank you, Adam. Settle. Explore, develop, well, settle, produce, and ship. That's right. So develop, you uh, uh, sets up the uh, development tiles, which are kind of like ongoing abilities. The um, settle is like putting planets, planet tiles out there that you can produce on, which is the next phase. You can produce goods and then ship those goods for either victory points or credits. And the credits are used to get dice that you earn over the course of the game back into the cup because you want as many dice to roll in the cup as you can, which I was really messing up on. But Adam, Vanessa rocked at that game because she knew how to get dice back in her cup. She always rocks at this game. <laughs> she does. She dominates this game. I don't think game. she's ever had a bad roll for the galaxy go. Here's my strategy. Okay. Yeah. I just roll to however to make money to get more dice in my cup and just try to get one of every color because different colors are used for different things. That's right. The, the different colors uh, have different types of dice uh, faces on them, different symbols on their faces, but also colors can represent the goods they're shipped. And when you have matching goods with matching ships, it gives you extra points. Matching colors, matching ships, more victory points. <laughs> and it's all about the victory points is yeah. what Tony says. <laughs> well, it is. It is. <laughs> so let's talk about the two brand new things that were added with uh, rivalry. Am I saying that right? Rivalry? Rivalry. Rivalry. I get the, the brewery, southern thing. Brewery. Rivalry. Rivalry. Oh, there's another one. There's another word like that. What is it? I don't I don't remember. 
Okay, so let's talk about the deal phase. These are a set of new dice that are introduced to the game, and these big chunky dice that at the beginning of each round, uh, these dice are rolled, and they have uh, different, man, there's a lot of different icons on there that represent deals that you can make during the course of the game. So if you assign dice to the deal phase, what that allows you to do is when you resolve that phase, you can take two of those dice and put them into the... Um, marketplace in order to create a deal, then assign one of your dice to that deal in order to take advantage of it. But this is what's cool. You've got two dice that represent deals. One of them is things that you give up. The other die is the things you'll get in return. So let's say you may have an excess of one particular type of die and you're looking for another type of resource or something. You may create a deal based on the die roll that says, well, I'm going to give up this die and get this back. But Vanessa, you may be the other way around. You may say, oh my goodness, that dice he's given up, I really need, but I got excess of that other die. You can make the reverse of that deal. So you could give up the other thing that I'm gaining and gain the other thing that I'm getting. Did that make any sense at all? <laughs> Only because we played through it. I don't know <laughs> if it made sense to anyone else. But because we worked through it, it didn't make sense. <laughs> so the whole concept is, is creating these deals uh, that can give you uh, maybe bonus points, bonus dice, and et cetera, in exchange for something else. And what happens is these deals, uh, at the end of the phase, they can mature over the course of the, of the phase, and eventually they'll just rotate out. But if there's every a certain amount, a certain time where the number of dice assigned to each side of the deal are the same, then those deals are closed and each of you will get a reward determined of how mature that deal is. And typically it was credits and credits are always good because we found out Vanessa knows how to get them to get dice back into the cup. <laughs> That's right. But I'm sorry, Marty. All I can hear right now is the theme music for Deal or No Deal and hearing Deal or No Deal. Boom. <laughs> Hold on. Do -do -do. Oh, <laughs> you mean this? <laughs> So that is the deal part of... Yeah, and then we'll open our suitcase and there's all the dice. <laughs> From the base game. And we could, I could see how, Howie Mandel, like, Vanessa, open your case. And then there's a like tense moment. It's like, and she peeks into the case and she's like, oh, you blew it. It's like, no, you didn't blow it. All right, okay, we joke, but somewhere there's a game designer listening to this like, hmm. <laughs> this is interesting. No game designers listen to this show. Yeah. <laughs> Before we move to the other expansion there, this does add new dice, Vanessa, like you said. And this the new dice on here actually has two symbols on the faces. So the, the dice from the base game only had one face symbol on it, but some of these have two which was a, a new mechanic to the game because you can pick whichever phase you want to assign that to. And if it just so happens that that phase was not activated that game, but the other one was, you get to oh, freely yeah. move that die to the yeah. other phase. Yeah. So even if you didn't ever make a deal or had the opportunity to use that deal phase, then that, that dice was used in the other. So it yeah. just added more dice into the cup. And if that other phase wasn't activated, you just get to put that die and put it back in your cup and that was funny at the beginning of the game because we had the citizenry citizen like i can't even say it that's the other word citizenry <laughs> citizenry and the cup and we kept putting them in the wrong place no that goes in the cup no that goes in the citizenry it was just a comedy of errors at that point 
like this segment's going right now. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the other expansion in, in this game. Now, this is the orb game, and this is where you're going to be doing research. This uses the exact same phase dice and everything, except the dice assigned in this particular, and, and the symbol is a dollar sign. So it depends on which side, which game you play. It could be either for deals. It could be for research. What's cool about this is each of us get a big chunky yellow die with removable faces on the sides. And these sides. Do, do, do. <laughs> See, I don't even need to add sound effects. You're over there doing it. And these basic faces will give you things like, hey, this activates a research phase, which gives you a free upgrade or it gives you some credits. Everybody has a basic uh, same die. But if you assign dice to the research phase and it's activated, what that allows you to do is remove one of the plastic faces from that yellow die and replace it with another face. And there are a lot of different faces that can be replaced. There are exactly 18 or 19 different faces that can be changed on that die. And what that allows you to do is create a unique die that you'd roll each turn. And that alone was enough. There, there didn't even have to be a game to go with it. Just a bag of dice with removable faces <laughs> and that you could just sit and click them in and out and in and out. And there's even a little tool for removing the little die in <laughs> yes. there. Yeah, so that really was very neat to be able to... To do that and basically customize it to how you want it. Yeah, so if you're really big in, into settling or developing, you can actually add different die faces to that big yellow die that may reduce the cost of developing or reduce the cost of settling or give you some benefits when you explore. Uh, there were some immediate benefits for just immediately giving you credits. In a lot of ways, it kind of fixed the issues I had with the game, the base game the most, because I felt like it was always kind of hard to get dice to do what you want to do, because they have like different, uh, different count of what's on their sides, like some die to do more development, mm -hmm. some die have more settling. So you always had to go through these roundabout ways to get the die you wanted. And there's also an element of randomness to it, because when you pull out a tile, you pull it out at random. So you might not get the thing that gives you the die that you want. So it's nice to have a, a way to get what you want to happen easier, especially in a game that depends on randomness and dice rolling. Oh, that's a very good point. Because many times we were drawing tiles, it's like, oh, it's like, this one's okay. Yeah. And then like Vanessa would draw the tiles like, that tile's much better than the one that I got. Or she just knew how to use it better. No, no. I, I just explore, make money, develop. She's being get, humble get, over there. Get those planets out there. But she rocks it this game. Listen, roll for the galaxy in any social deception deduction game like oh it's oh that's a whole a that's a, a whole nother segment adam the way she manipulates people in social deduction is i am never the spy <laughs> i am never the werewolf ever 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 that's it okay move on okay. we're talking about roll for the game. we're talking about dice tonight this expansion if you like roll for the galaxy to me is almost a must-have because it adds a lot to the base game a lot because there's the, the base game is solid, but adding these two additional things is is it adds some more meatiness to the game. It adds some more complexity if you're looking at it. like Adam, like you said, that one with the orb, the research actually could remove some randomness or yeah, mitigate some randomness. It's a little more strategy. Yep. And with the whole deal concept, it's like maybe you can create these deals that will help you generate points or, or credits, et cetera. And like I said, we, we talked about each of these, but there's actually a way that you can play both 
together. And you decide that when you assign that die to that phase, you decide, is it going to be a research or is it going to be a deal mechanic? So this game has not one, not two, but three basically new modes in, involved with it. And I think both of y'all just said it in a nutshell, squirrel in a nutshell. Yeah, but this segment isn't in a nutshell, but go ahead. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Whereas if some people thought that the base game, like Adam said, was random and it just relies on the roll of the dice, then the expansions add the strategy that you're looking for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there is strategy in the base game. Don't get us wrong. Oh, no. Yeah. Because that's how because Vanessa... mom has perfected it. <laughs> yes. Because that's, that's why I thought, okay, Adam, we'll add an expansion and maybe we can throw a twist in there. And she went, no, I'll just beat you all this do. Oh, yeah. Okay. She did beat us. But what was cool is, what's great about this game, I think you mentioned this too, Vanessa, after we played the score's always close always always close within three or four points every time we play this game and even with the expansion the scores were always close at the end yep yep so i, I think that's that's really good that we never had this runaway uh leader situation so this is roll for the galaxy rivalry which is going to be coming out soon from rio grande games roll for the galaxy is one of those games on my shelf that whenever i go through and start purging games vanessa said you, you better keep your hands off of it <laughs> That's the one. That is the no touch game. That's like you could purge games. We need to make room. I feel and stuff. like everyone in our family has a no touch game. What's your like no a, touch game? Just out of curiosity. Oh, oh man. Um, I'll put you on the spot. Uh oh. Uh, can I tell you Travis's instead? I know Travis's Arcadia Quest. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I probably say Pandemic Legacy or Detective, but I mean, those games are you play once. So. Ah, except with the expansion for Detective, which is now coming out and is shipping from Portal Games. L.A. Crimes, which is an 80s themed detective scenario. Oh, that's pretty sick. Oh, now you got to cue some kind of 80s music. <laughs> I've already told Ignacy, I got a members-only jacket in there that I will be wearing when we play this. But <laughs> <laughs> she's just rolling her eyes over here. Can't even think of anything to say. <laughs> hey, you got some 80s stuff in the closet you could put on, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Yes, I do. Earrings, <laughs> leopard print jackets. Yes, I got it. Again. Roll for the Galaxy Rivalry, if you're looking for it. This is the second expansion to Roll for the Galaxy. We never got a chance to play the first, but I'm glad we got to play the second. This will sit right beside uh, Roll for the Galaxy and probably another one of those things that will not be able to be touched. And it's been too long to have you back on the show and review a game, Vanessa. It's been a while. I know, and I just thought of the song. It combines the no-touch rule plus the 80s. Can't touch this. Cue it. Can't touch this. Touch this. <laughs> oh gosh. Now she's over here dancing. Look at look, I'm gonna have to get out of here because she's gonna start dancing around the room in a second. You're gonna be able to hear a thing. All right, guys, thank you so much for uh coming on and uh let's go play some roll. Five minute initiative begins in Three, two, one. Every once in a while, there is a game just based on box art alone gets me very interested. And that's why I was excited when Brotherwise Games sent us a press release for a game that's coming out called Call to Adventure. This is the same company that made the game Boss Monster, which you may have heard about. But Tony, when I first saw the art on this game, I thought, okay, I'm interested in this. And I looked into it. And it's like, oh, it's kind of like role player where you're building an RPG character, but it's not using dice. It's actually using runes. And over the course of the game, you're, you're creating a character, creating a story with the whole goal of, of what, Tony? 
getting the most victory points. That's it. You're supposed to win by getting the most victory points. But Marty, I think one of the neatest things about this concept of the game, you mentioned the runes. You're building your character up along those runes by developing the various traits in a role player, the charisma, the wisdom, and those associate to the runes. In order to build your character, there are three stages. And in those stages, the first one is, what type are you? I was a warrior, Marty. What were you? I was a bard. So I already started out with good charisma, and you probably started out with some basic strength, right? I, I did. And it was very interesting that, so when uh, on the age one cards were out there, we were trying to cast runes or cast our lot to be able to either capture a, well, a trait. We didn't have to do that. You just picked up a trait. Not as beneficial. But then there were challenges or quests mm-hmm. that you would have to go on to. And in order to achieve those quests, you would cast the runes. And if you were successful, it would change how you were developing your character. I went more towards the wisdom. Oh, no, I was more of the charisma. So that's kind of how you impact it. And keep in mind, there were only three runes of each of the traits. So you had to say, hmm, I really don't need it this time. But all of that comes together to help build your character. For me, Mark, that was probably one of the most enjoyable things of this game was just how those two interacted. And what you do is, is you get those cards, you put them underneath, like you said, and the more cards you get, they gave you access to more runes because as you get to the Act 2 and Act 3 cards, the challenges become more difficult. But now you've been building a pool of runes over the game. It's like, okay, sweet. I can roll three strength runes this, this time. Runes are just basically two-sided uh, devices or little plastic tokens. One side gives you a plus one, one side gives you a plus two and then you try to uh, achieve that and once you get three cards under like your first stage your character is what my character is a bard the next one is like what kind of what kind of bard is this and, it, and it, you select these cards at the beginning of the game kind of develop your character but the last one is the destiny card in game scoring which is a secret nobody knows what your destiny is nobody knows what your goal is but over the course of the game you can also get these cards called hero and anti-hero cards that you can use during your turn. Maybe they're an instant to help you out. Hey, give me plus one rune. Or Tony, what I did to you was... Oh, yeah, Tony, why don't you re-roll over there? Because I don't think you can make that successful again. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what you were doing to me. You were playing the card that says you're going too <laughs> far to the dark side. You wanted, <laughs> Which you were trying to do. Which I was trying to do because that was my character. I wanted to go. I was a crime lord that was taking over the Assassin's Guild. I knew that my end game was that I could not count the good side. I had to be evil ah. and corrupt. And you kept pushing me up the good side. Come on, be a better player. no. You did that to Nate, and then I, in turn, played that card on Mark where he had to re-roll, and guess what? He failed, kind of like you were doing all night. Oh, I couldn't I couldn't roll with crap. But yeah, talking about that whole uh, track, this is the corruption track. Um, if you get too far down the corruption track, you can't use the hero cards. If you're too good, if you're too much of a goody two-shoes, you can't use the anti-hero cards. But if you're kind of in the middle of the track, you can use either. But though, depending on where your corruption token is, gives you points at the end of the game. Because once you get three cards under your first card, and your second card, and your third card, that triggers the end of the game. And everybody gets one more time around. At that point you're going to add up all the xp that you've gotten you're going to add up any victory points that you get from that final destiny card and the person with the most points wins but tony over the course of the game we developed a story and nate said at the very end of the game everybody go around 
and tell us about your character and the story that you created. And actually, that was kind of cool. That was fun, even though I thought it was going to be painful for me. I was like, oh my gosh, really? You're going to be? But I actually, I gave you some flavor text. Heaven forbid. Now, Marty, you put this on the table and you put role player on the table. I am going to reach to Call to Adventure. I enjoyed it. It was fast. It was quick. I'd like to see how more of the cards interact. A lot of fun. I'd also be interested in, we pulled out the ally cards. So it'll be interesting to see how those come into play. All in all for me, Marty, if you get an opportunity to play this, highly recommend it. See, I can use it too. Hats off to the artist, Matt Paquette. The card art is beautiful. Now, I believe some different artists contributed to this. Uh, uh, it looks like it was like magic type cards where there's different artists to different cards. I'm, I'm telling you right now, the card art in this is absolutely stunning. Right now, if I was to pick a game with the best art, it would be this one. This is Call to Adventure, Brotherwise Games. If you're looking for a game somewhat like role player, but you aren't casting dice but runes instead, Please check this out because I too, Tony, will reach for this over role player. That's Call to Adventure. Five minute initiative is complete. Hey, Marty, I hear you're going somewhere. Yeah, so, Tony, this might be my last episode. Okay, it works for me. I got, I think <laughs> I got. I think I, as long as I can find someone who can edit, I'm I'm golden. What's the password to the sites again? Uh, one, two, three, four. Okay, good. Every year, Rob from Blue Peg, Pink Peg has this thing where he, he gets friends together called RobCon. They go to a little cabin in the woods. <laughs> Isn't that what happened in Deliverance? It is. Okay. It is. Now, luckily, this is in... This is in Virginia and not the mountains of Georgia. Isn't that where Deliverance took place? Or Tennessee or wherever. But Virginia, still, it's all the Appalachia. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so he has a lot of friends come out and, and go to, and they rent a cabin, and they hang around and play games all weekend. So this is like one of those things where only like 15, 16 people can come. Well, what's, it just so happened that some of the people that typically could make it could not. So he asked others and they couldn't make it. And then he asked some others and they couldn't make it. And then he asked me, Marty, do you have any of your friends that might be interested in this? And I told him. And so we asked them and they couldn't make it. So finally he said, Marty, would you be interested in coming? I went, yeah, sure. I'll come check it out. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me at the top of the list, buddy. So I'm going to be going out there for like three days into a cabin in the middle of the woods in the mountains, but I have no idea what to expect. I mean, I don't know. These people may be killers. I, I don't know. Oh, I doubt it. Uh, you'll be fine. You've seen Rob? He's kind of crazy. Yeah, I know he is. But I, so as Rob Davio said in our last episode, number 160, what number was that? 66? Six. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 160. There's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> so first off, I like how you said how Rob told you to ask some of your friends. I guess your email went to my junk mail. Well, he, he said, any of your friends beside Tony? Oh, I see how this is working out. So the guy who he plays Ascension with online, he's good enough for that, but not, okay, I see how this is playing out. Okay, I'm, I like this. Okay, I understand. And this is up in the, okay, well, good luck with this, man. I ain't coming looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I am just kidding everybody, Rob, Rob, that whole story, I made that up. No, people, some people did drop out and, and because I, I live close by, he's talking to me. Hey, I know I've talked to you about this Rob Com before. Would you be interested in coming check it out? So I'm, I'm curious to see what this is. At least I'll get some, some games in. Hopefully the weather will be nice. David Waybright from Man vs. Meeple is going to be there. He plays uh, disc golf 
So we're going to try to find a disc golf course and go play it. So I don't think we're going to, hold, I'm not going to hole up the entire three days in the cabin. I'm going to get cabin fever, but I'll get out some. All right. So I am going to be needing an editor and a co-host because you're going to be playing disc golf in the mountains. You're going to throw it off a cliff <laughs> and you're not going to pay attention. You're just going to step right off. I can see this now. Yeah. There, there's multiple ways this can go bad. Mm-hmm. I can see where this is going to go bad. Man, well, I got nothing fun planned. I was hoping to get everybody over for some Lord of the Rings, but everybody's gone. I just got to figure things out. That's okay, fine. It is going to happen. But Tony, Tony, in the meantime, just today, you and I signed up to do something on BGG that we've never done before, and I'm kind of excited about. We're going to play an RPG by forum. Yeah, this will be interesting. So what this is, is uh, there's going to be a GM that's going to run an online game in the BGG forums. Each of us are supposed to create a character. He's going to create a narrative. And then each day we go and post what we want our character to do. We'll use the, uh, the role mechanics uh, that's part of a forum post. If anybody's ever seen, there's a button that says roll. It's for actually setting up and rolling dice so you can get results for your test and ability checks and everything. So Tony and I are going to play, be playing Dungeons and Dragons, the fifth edition, which is cool because that's what Adventures in Middle Earth is based on. So we'll get some experience in that system so that maybe when we actually sit down and play Adventures in Middle Earth, we'll be ready to go. But Tony, this is supposed to take place over two to four months. I think this could be fun. Why else would we do it? It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. We've got to be a good or neutral character. So if I'm sure we'll have our characters created by the time this is aired so unfortunately i could say suggest some things for us but unfortunately the timing is just not because we had to get this done now so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and it will also get help prepare me for when we do eventually get to play our lord of the rings and it's going to happen and who knows we may have some surprises for some of our listeners uh, later on just stay tuned to future episodes we're trying to work out something tony as we always are logistically if we get something to work out i think it's uh, something that we might be able to do with some of our for some of our listeners and we'll, we'll talk about that down the road now marty i don't know but you know twitter has been going crazy we've already mentioned silverlight and along those lines just fairy how about things. silver river but go ahead that's two silver river golly silver what see why, why sil- something silverlight and i forget what it is silverlight is a it was a microsoft plugin for a website that's it because we always needed updating yeah, which doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, our buddy from Thing 12 Games contacted me. And I, I do. Sometimes, you know, just out of the blue, I'll plug some stuff. He contacted me and said, hey, would you mind mentioning Dino's Not Assembled? It's going on Kickstarter. Now, he's been a great supporter of the show. He sent us stuff. And I said, sure, man, because he sent me the artwork. You were mm-hmm. talking about the artwork to Call to Adventures. This is going to be a kid's game. It's going out on Kickstarter. It's out there right now. I Please go read. I'm going to do the same thing. We'll go read about it. I just wanted to give him a quick mention because of just how much support he has given to our show. But the artwork, it's really, it's cool. I'll give it that. It's kind of, it's very kid friendly, whimsical. I love the little dinos. They're they're so cute and cuddly. So, <laughs> so you know, I mean, it's it's the way I envision Jurassic World, not the big dinosaurs that come and eat you. That's cool. Yeah, that's I, cool. So, so Kickstarter win now. Now, it is happening right now, and I wish him all the best luck from the Rolling Dice Taking Name fans. I mean, you know, it's about, uh, I think, I I, I better not say. We'll just go out there and read the Kickstarter. There'll be a link in the show notes. See, even I can assign myself a show. Hey, I was just actually over here at uh, BGG looking at at the hotness because you mentioned Silver River. And still, as of right now, it's it's number two. Get this, Call to Adventures number four. Wow. So the game we just talked about is hot on the list. But Tony, I can't believe I forgot this. 
the biggest game announced at Gamma last week, at the, as of this recording, is now sitting at number one on the hotness list, is the remake of the hot game Dune. See, yes, I was seeing all that. And I'm like, Dune, I, I just remember that as a bad movie. It was a bad movie, an incredible book, which I haven't read, but now I want to. This game came out like 1979. One time, Fantasy Flight wanted to make a Dune redo it, and they couldn't get the rights. So that's how Fantasy Flight came out with the game Rex. Mm. So Rex is like Dune, but with, with a different theme. Well, Gale Force 9 has now got that license back. And from what I understand... Some of the original designers from Dune are going to be working on this. This, it could be, if it comes out this year, could be the biggest game of 2019. It's got that much of a history behind it, and it's that good. See, th- here's where I'm, I'm, I'm a little off. I know Restoration Games, you know, builds on our nostalgia in our childhood, right? Yes. So, Dune. I guess I'm just not that into the sci-fi anymore. Really? Dune has carried that long? Yes. Wow. And it's currently being made into another movie, a good movie, hopefully. So it's in production right now for a brand new Dune movie. So the timing is perfect for this board game to come out. And Tony, Justin told us that Restoration Games wanted to get the Dune license and they just couldn't get it to work. But Gale Force 9 did. Yeah. Right when Gale Force 9 announced it, even Justin came out on Twitter and said, congratulations, we wish we could have done it, but we can't wait to see what you guys do with it. Okay. I'll be interesting to see. I mean, I enjoy the Gale Force 9 games. I mean, Star Trek Ascendancy. Um, another one that we need to get to the table, um, you and I anyway. But that, that one's kind of tough because of the three-player requirement mm-hmm. and long. Not that I don't mind long games. I mean, I'll play a long game every once in a while. Every once in a rare moon. Wait a minute. A rare moon? I guess that'd be blue. See, I did it. It's a blue moon. Sure. I don't care. You can mix your <laughs> metaphors all you want. What I need to go do is go, turn on my switch. You're not going to go taking names? You're not going for <laughs> well, I, th- I thought you were going to go turn on my switch, then roll some dice, and then I was going to say it. So I thought there was more to it. So do we, do we need to fix that part? Or do you just want to go with it? Let's just go with it. Let's end the show with that. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. And thank you for nominating us for the Board Game Geek Golden Geek Best Podcast Award. We would love your votes. There's only a few days left to vote. So go over to Board Game Geek and please vote for us. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names, Instagram Dyson Names, and join our BGG Guild 1589. Seriously, Tony, like every hour. I'm going to send you a message from, from RobCon, and if there, an hour goes by and you don't hear anything, call the police. Or do I just update the posting for I need a new editor? I'll miss you. <laughs>Tony, Tony, Tony, just today, as if this recording, Ignacy released the street dates for three upcoming games from Portal Games. The first one is the expansion to Detective, LA Detective, coming out on March 28th. Followed up, now Tony, this is the one, this is the one you're going to be wanting, Mystery Tales expansion for Robinson Crusoe on April 25th. No no excitement, nothing over there? Well, see, you, you tease me. 
I almost tweeted back to Ignacio today and I said, there's one missing on this list. Well, and the, and the third one is an expansion to 51st State, which I'm excited about, to Allies, which is May 23rd. And where is Stronghold Undead? Where well, is that's it? That's a Kickstarter. That's a Kickstarter. So these are street dates for games that could be coming out that's not on Kickstarter. So th- this has nothing to do with the Kickstarter. So let's give him a break. Uh, no, I don't. All he had to do was put in, put in a quarter. Prove to me that you actually have committed to 2019. Show me where you are going to commit Stronghold Undead to 2019. I mean, I now have three items for 2019 I can hold him to. But not Stronghold Undead. I can't hold him to that. I guarantee you 2020. I, I'm going to be giving out another squirrely. I know I am. <laughs> well, look, if you want to find out more about those games that are going to be coming out, and hopefully maybe other games like Stronghold Undead and Dead, and the new game he's working on for Gen Con, Empires of the North, you can go check out, what's the new website, Tony? PortalGamesUS.com. You thought I was going to blow that, didn't you? I, I did because I couldn't remember myself. 